episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. When it's time to get new windows or a new door, you got to go with Pella. Why? Well, because they can provide window and door solutions to any home and because the people are fantastic. Steve, Vince, Clint, Brian, the whole gang, everybody there, A-plus individuals. And you know what else is great? The fact that you're going to be working with Pella and only Pella the entire time. Do you realize that when you work with some other window companies, all of a sudden questions pop up like, who's going to install it? Who's going to pre-finish it? And some companies like, no, you got to talk to that guy. We don't do that. You got to talk to them. You got to talk to them. And before you know it, you're working with like four or five different people. Ugh. You want the convenience and simplicity of working with one company, not three or four. That's what you get with Pella. Check them out on the web, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. All right, on the pod today uh, is a guy who's arguably the biggest influence in my broadcasting career. He's Kevin Kugler. Uh, he's been a mentor to me for, gosh, the better part of 15 years. He's someone I've leaned on for advice, for guidance, and certainly friendship. Uh, you know, Kevin's a guy that you, you see on BTN, you see on Fox a little bit, you, you hear his voice on Westwood One. I mean, he's wildly talented. Without question, one of the most gifted play-by-play voices in all of sports, and it's always a blast to call games with Kevin. There's nothing that gets me more excited than when uh, Fox is sending out some college basketball assignments, and I, or some, some, or the BTN sending out some some college basketball assignments, and I'm uh, sharing the headset with uh, with Kugler. And I wanted to check in with Kev, you know, see how life's been for him the past three months with everything going on. Because you know, when all this stuff broke in mid March and sports were canceled, I mean, think about Ke- what Kevin was on the brink of doing in this stretch here. I mean, Kevin was was going to call the NCAA tournament. He's the voice on Westwood One of the NCAA tournament. He calls the Final Four in the national championship game. Then after that, he goes straight to Augusta and calls the Masters. And then there was probably going to be some college baseball, maybe even some major league baseball during the spring. And then right now he'd be uh, at TD Ameritrade Park calling the College World Series on the radio. And then boom, all that stuff goes away. So I, I just I got to check in with Kev, you know, see how he's doing you know, how he sees sports return, what what he sees with, with college football coming back, you know, what he's missed most about uh, broadcasting games, all that stuff. I mean, the, the, Kevin's always, always a blast to talk to. Uh, and this was a fun, fun, interesting, insightful conversation. So let's get to it, man. Here is my podcast chat with BTN, Fox, Westwood One's play-by-play stud, Kevin Cooper. Kev, I, uh, I mean, I finally realized, I was like, I got to check in with my guy. We, you know, we text a little bit here and there, but I need to hear your voice and see how you're doing, see what's new. I mean, because I know for me, I, I'm really into wine now, and I bought a bike two months ago, and I'm really into riding my bike. Those are two habits I've picked up during the last three months. Do you have any new habits that you're really into these days? Yeah, I day drink a lot more. Um, I think that's a good habit. I've, I've, I thought being a functional alcoholic yes. is something that, you know, not everybody can achieve. So I thought, you know what, let's give it a shot. I got a lot of time. I got plenty of opportunities, you know, cause I've got nothing going on in the afternoons. So it's like, you know, I, it's like that old song. It's five o'clock somewhere. And that's kind of the approach I've taken over the last month and a half is it's probably five o'clock somewhere. So it's, it's okay to have a, a drink or, or 10 or, or 10 12. Drinks, Cause yes. really, being a functional alcoholic right now, I don't actually have to function. So it may be giving me a false read on this whole process, right, but right. I don't, you know, for me, functioning is 
did I survive the night? And yes. I have to this point. Here yeah. I am. Congratulations on that. Honestly, yeah. though, I, I, uh, when all this stuff broke back in mid-March, I think I was texting Schick at the time. You were one of the first guys I thought about because, I mean, for people that don't know, you are super busy, nonstop schedule, calling games, traveling, and all of a sudden, screeching halt, boom, done. For someone that is honestly one of the busiest guys I know, like, how hard has this been? Have you enjoyed being able to, like, stop and relax a little bit? Because you are just nonstop, usually. No, I have. I, I will. I will honest. I'll be honest with you and say I have not enjoyed it. Uh, I've not enjoyed it at all. I probably should. Right. Um, but it is. It is not enjoyable. And, and I think part of it. And I've had this conversation with Michelle, my wife. I, I think part of it is the uncertainty of when it comes back. Yeah, you know, exactly. if I were sitting here and there was, you know, definitively football was going to start with no problem. We weren't going to have any issues. I think I could relax a little bit more to be like, okay, I know what's going to happen. We'll get back to work. We're going to have football in the fall. It's a nice couple month break. It's a good vacation. Now we get back to work and, and all things start cranking back up again. I start getting paid again. You know, all that good stuff. Right. But without that sort of knowledge of, okay, this is going to come back. It becomes a little less, and by a little less, I mean a hundred percent less enjoyable because you're just sitting there the whole time going, well, I got all this time on my hands. Let me read every possible article. <laughs> and, you know, there's, there's, there is, for whatever reason, there's a lot of doom and gloom among yeah. the sports writing set. And so you read that and you're like, oh my gosh, all right. Geez, I thought, you know, you look at some of the raw numbers and things look better in most places and you can explain away a couple of them. But man, these guys are all saying it's it's not going to happen, and it's terrible, and it's awful. Maybe I maybe I should believe them. Maybe maybe they're right. So you know, the time is probably the biggest problem right now because you know you've cleaned your office, you've cleaned the garage. I mean, there's only so much right. you can do at the house before you're like, okay, I'm I don't even care anymore. I mean, you messy it up, and then you just leave it at this point. So now I'm now I'm just to the point where it's like I'm going to apparently read on unbelievable amount of Columns ridiculous and articles yes. on all right from every corner of the world and ugh, it's it's yeah so no i'm not enjoying it at all thanks for asking <laughs> sorry geez all right can we do we need to start day drinking right now we're recording this at 12 30 <laughs> in the afternoon we should just start <laughs> okay one of us may already have i don't know what the other one is doing i you know i'm inspired by the Bo rude wine podcast yeah. that you do so yeah. i i just figured you know if i'm going to be on with nick there's no reason why you know, at 8 a.m. on a Sunday or a yeah. Tuesday or a Thursday, I couldn't have just started drinking. True. So okay, even I if appreciate I'm not you. talking to you, I, I probably have. I like that you're trying to fit into the pod. That's what, that's what I like yeah, about Yeah, I mean, you. it's, it's, all, it's all, you know, I play drops for you and yeah, Chick's yeah. show, and I, uh, <laughs> I drink wine for both. Hey, I, you know, the one thing to try to, like, you know, and I'm sorry to all the guys at 1620, hey, at least we still aren't at 1620 having to do a daily radio show right now because <laughs> I, Michael you know, Damon, I give, John I Josh, our friends I and Gary. former colleagues a yeah. lot of credit for being able to keep it going. Oh, but, man, oh. I mean, there's only so much English Premier League and golf and NASCAR that I could talk before I'd be like, all right, are, are we done? Can we just Can we just say – that sports isn't happening and we'll see you soon. Or, I mean, it's, it's, and you will relate to this and anybody listening to this, if you listen to any of Nick's show or my show, when we were on the radio in the month of July, it's like July programming every yes. single month. 
Hey, let's do the top 10 ways that you stub your toe. Oh, 951-1620. It's just, I, I, I don't envy them at all. Because what's hard, yeah, I mean, listen, it's hard enough to do, you know, three, four hours a day, five days a week when there is sports. It's, I mean, now having to do it, I mean, for me, having to do two podcasts a week during this time has been like, whoa, man, this is, uh, this is tough here. Because, because what's tough, too, is like, Sometimes you feel silly. Like I wrote down with you, and we might get to it, like some real hard-hitting football conversations, but there's always that elephant in the room when you're talking about that, like, let's preface everything with, we don't even know if there's a season, and if there is, all we care is that there is a season. So who really cares if Luke McCaffrey beats out Adrian Martinez or whoever the hell plays quarterback for anybody as long as there's football? So there's like this balance of like what you even want to talk about within having to fill the time. Oh, I, I completely agree with that. And, and, and I, you know, I'll read, of course, football articles yes. because, again, I have an inordinate amount of time. And so, they, you know, they're doing their football previews and, they're, and I'll read it. And I'm halfway through some of these articles, Nick, and I'm just sort of like, I don't even know if this matters. I mean, am I, do I want to take notes on this? Do I, do I want to, you know, <laughs> pretend that I'm getting ready for a football season that I don't know if it's going to happen? I mean, I, and I go through – like one week, I'm really confident it's going to happen. The next week, I'm 100% sure that there's never going to be football again. The following week, I'm like, oh, we'll play football. We'll play a full season. We'll play with fans. I mean, so it, it, it depends on the day, almost the way the wind is blowing right. as to what you say. I mean, it's, it's, it's June still, so I feel like we still have a little bit of time. But, you know, it's not, it's not April. It's, it's not May. We've, right. we've got to. We've got to start getting some things ironed out over the next month before we can really start caring whether or not Luke McCaffrey is going to beat out Adrian Martinez. <laughs> no, you're right, though, because it's not like, yes, technically the season doesn't start for, you know, a little over two months, but we can't just all be in to be, you know, to be determined, we'll see mode until Labor Day. You know, like some things, right. some decisions have to get made in the meantime. And I'm with you, like, I would say – for whatever reason, two, three weeks ago, I was 100% confident season's going, it's happening, no doubt about it. And I don't know if it's the the Clemson spike of positive tests or Kansas State or Texas or whatever, but all of a sudden I read Pete Thamel's story in Yahoo today and I'm like, oh God, there's no way. There's, there's no way there's going to be a college football season. It is hard where it depends on the day. It depends on what story you just read and maybe whether or not you've had a glass of wine or a bottle of wine before you've read that story for me and Mike. Case, I, guess. I think we have to, to to successfully be able to have this season. We have to get to the point where we don't see positive tests in this COVID thing as a sign of gloom and doom. Yeah, because you you, you know it, it obviously attacks the elderly at a much higher percentage than it does the youth. We you know there are certain things we've learned about this thing over the last however many months. Seems like a thousand. Um, <laughs> but one thing is that it. it does not appear to be even as deadly for young people as a significant flu season as far as deaths go. Yeah. Now, it creates a whole lot of problems. We understand that, and I'm not diminishing it, not calling it the flu. Everybody just compares it to the flu because of the transmissibility. Yep. So that is, uh, I, that's all the caveats that I always throw in. Anytime yeah. you say the word flu around COVID, <laughs> people are like, it's not the flu. I, I know it's not the flu. It's much more significant than the flu. I, it is. It is not a scam. It is not a hoax. It is not any. This is not a political conversation. No. All I'm saying is there is a certain point in society where we decide that okay, we have enough information that a positive test does not equate to 
let's shut it down. There have been seasons in football where teams have been ravaged by significant flu viruses and 30 or 40 players on a team have been saddled with the flu Mm -hmm. and it's created problems for those teams. And again, not the flu, but we have to get to the point where we look at this and say, okay, a positive test doesn't necessarily mean the end of the world. It just means watchfulness, care, protection. And if we have all the parameters in place to do all that, then maybe we can get to that point. I'm not sure we're there yet, though. I'm not sure we're at that point yeah. because positive tests raise alarm today. To me, it's who's in the internal in, in the intensive care unit, who's in the hospital, who's on a ventilator, who's dying. Those yes. are the things that should really be the indicators for all this. But I understand that we are right now freaking out about, oh my gosh, there's 5 billion people who have COVID-19. Yep. Nope. Whether or not they've gone to the hospital, whether they died, whatever, that's where we are right now. Hopefully in a month or two or three, we'll progress beyond that with more knowledge. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And what I'm about to say isn't to dismiss the, you know, the coronavirus and, and you know, the, the medical concerns with it. But to me, viewing this purely from a sports lens, like to start a college football season and finish it, to me, there needs to begin a fundamental shift in how we all view the virus and view a positive test because you can change your mindset and how you view something way faster than a vaccine can arrive. And like you said, right now, a positive test is almost viewed like a death sentence. And especially with someone that is in you know ages 18 to 23 or whatever, that's just not the case. And so... I look at all the other things we talk about, testing protocols and tracing and all those things, and all that stuff is super important and matters, but I think maybe more so than anything else, the most important thing to actually finish sports, I think is more of a fundamental shift in how we all collectively are viewing this. That's, I guess, how I see it right now. Well, and, and, and here's the concern I have. The, the big thing earlier was we've got to test. We've got to test. And I agree. You need yeah. more and more knowledge. You've got to test as much as you can. But if by having testing, we find more cases, and the ones we're going to find now are more asymptomatic probably, less, con, you know, less yep. concerning to the person who has them probably. We're getting a lot more young people. Testing has opened up to almost everybody in the state of Nebraska now. So anybody who wants one can go get a test. It's it, you, if you get to the point where you start to continue to freak out about test, test, test. Oh my gosh, we have all these positive tests. People are going to say, "Well, then we got to stop testing because you're freaking out about these tests." It, I want more knowledge, not less. Yeah. Uh, so, but we can't look at a positive test and say, "Oh my gosh, testing went up eight billion percent." Well, okay, it did, but we're testing more, we're finding more, we're understanding more. Let's do that. Let's gather more knowledge. Let's learn more about it as opposed to panicking with every headline. Then, and again, I don't know how this is going to impact the start of football, if it's going to delay it, if we're going to start on time, what's going to happen? I have no idea. But I just, we are very in-the-moment livers right now because totally. everything, we have all this immediate information right at our fingertips. Right now, I have this information that this is happening and this is terrible. But 24 hours from now, it may not be terrible or it may not be as terrible. But because we are so reactive to the moment, Unfortunately, a lot of the policy or things we're doing right now is reactive to the moment. And you got guys writing. I mean, Kirk Herbstreit said in March, and everybody got freaked out. I wouldn't start the season right now. Adam Schefter went off saying they shouldn't have the NFL draft. Right. The Zoom draft. He's, right. I mean, come on, man. We, we've got to have a little bit of perspective with some of this stuff. Is it going to be a normal 
fall football season? Probably not. There are going to be differences in, if nothing else, there's going to be a difference in the capacity at stadiums across the country. I'm confident in that. Yep. I don't know that Nebraska is going to have the state may say it's okay to have a hundred percent. I don't know that Nebraska will agree to that. I don't know. Maybe they'll say, okay, we don't get safe. We're only going to do 70%. Or maybe the big 10 is going to say for a competitive situation, we're only going to allow upwards of 45,000 people in a stadium. I don't know based on state regular, who knows, but I just think you have to take a breath when you see these things in a snapshot and say, you know, Let's 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 look at Florida or Georgia or Arizona or California or wherever and say, okay, cases are rising, but yes, on a level, and let's breathe a little bit. Now that said, Nick Bot, I believe that the NBA should take a real cold, hard look at bubbling in Nebraska for its season as opposed to Florida. And let me tell you why. I'm gonna propose this on the podcast. Okay. And I know you're a basketball guy more than anything in the world. So I want your thoughts on this. Everybody's worried about Florida cases. Everybody's worried about that. The NBA grumble. What are we going to do? Nebraska is in really good shape. We're one of the states where cases are declining. We're at our lowest hospitalization level for COVID since they started keeping track of this thing in early to mid-April. So we're in really good shape. We've got, at minimum, in a 50-mile radius, four legitimate arenas where NBA players could play basketball games. Lincoln has Pinnacle Bank Arena. You've been there. The uh, the CHI Health Center in Omaha, Nebraska, the Baxter Arena, yep. and the Ralston Arena. Yep. That's four arenas playing triple headers every day, which is easy to do, in your bubble. That's a lot of games for a lot of teams in an NBA bubble. And if, to add in the incentive, if you want the players to be happy, the casinos are open in an earlier July. I mean, this is, wow. to me, this is where the NBA should bubble. Nick, by your thoughts. Oh, I, I, can I add that the, the guys that call the games are Kevin Kugler and Nick Buck? <laughs> we, we, hey, we're already here. <laughs> I'll take a COVID test daily. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, with the contract right before Adam Silver signs it, we'll just slide that into the fine print right at the bottom. Yeah, and exactly. then we're in there. Well, And here's the other thing if you wanted to be so bold, you could even just fans at a 25% capacity, right. less no, you're than right. what the state would allow, but you could even put people in these buildings yes. to make some noise for the teams because, again, Nebraska is one of the 20-some states that has declining cases. We're in really good shape right now. Attention, NBA. I, when, you, when, you make, when you make sure this podcast goes viral worldwide, Nick, I want you to make sure you tag the NBA yep. so that Adam Silver can hear we've got his bubble plan. All set up and ready. I, I mean, I'm kind of kidding, and I'm kind of not. Yeah, I mean, I, legit four real live arenas right here within a 50-mile radius, and you could even put the teams that are playing the play-in games of this playoff thing, the eight and nine seeds, you could even just put them in Lincoln if you yes. want to bubble them further. Yeah. They're the Lincoln teams, and then Omaha has everybody else for the rest of the season. Yeah, you know, it's – it's funny because you know, as you were saying it, there was there was a tongue in cheek element of what you're saying. But like, how many how many states and fifty to sixty mile radiuses have four state of the art arenas, and then also have a, a 
you know, a, a coronavirus situation that's very manageable. Like, I, I think right. I think we got to ta- – I'm going to send this to Woj. And then our biggest ace in the hole is Brian Windhorse because if I'm not mistaken, Brian Windhorse lives in Omaha, Kevin. So he could be like the, the main guy for this. He needs this. to be selling this. Yeah. I mean, this would be perfect for him. He, he could cover it. Save an ESPN money. They don't have to pay him any money to go anywhere. He's right that? here. Do you imagine that? Adam, let me tell you, this piece of paper and the amount of money that you'll save for not having to send Brian Windhorse to Orlando, <laughs> that in and of itself should seal the deal right there, okay? That's hey, and, and you and I know this because we work with them all the time. You've got some of the country's best broadcast engineers in yes, this state, no camera doubt. operators, audio people. We work with them all the time on our Fox shows and on our BTN shows and on our FS1 shows and on the NET shows. They're all the same people. They're all fantastic people. You know they'd be more than happy to spend some time working during this pandemic. And again, we could make sure that these games get televised. And you know what? If there's somebody who doesn't want to travel their broadcast team in, maybe they're an older team. Nick Baugh and I can handle 100%. any residual play slash analyst work that anyone needs. I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head. I'm all in on it. I'm, I'm going to tag it out at Woj and Windhorse. Let me just underline the last part, though, <laughs> as maybe the most important part to the Kugler Baugh NBA yes, plan. Yes, if they if they go for the plan, but without us involved. I don't like it. I got to tell you, I think it's a stupid plan. Have fun in Orlando. Stay out of Nebraska. Have you have you been a little taken aback and I guess I it's probably shame on me because I never you know you you realize it but you don't critically think about it but have you been a little taken aback at just how much is financially leveraged to sports and in in this case football like I knew it was huge and I knew the money that was being generated was massive but I guess I don't I don't think I fully realized the idea that if there isn't a college football season just one season it is financial Armageddon for a lot of these athletic departments. I guess I've been, I, you know, we talk about sports being a distraction. I think in some ways the games have been a distraction to just how financially leveraged everything is to football and for college, college football. Sports in general, and you can talk about, oh, there are a lot more things more important than sports right now. Well, yeah, we're not right. talking about that because right. to us, there really aren't. I mean, to us, that's how the mortgage gets paid. To, yep. us, and to so many others, that's how things get done. I mean, you, people always talk about the owners and the players. There are so many people below owners and players. Yeah. Millions and millions of people that work in the sports industry that are right now hoping everything gets taken care of and people get back to work, including us. Yep. So it, it is unfathomable to think of what will happen to college athletics. I have, mm-hmm. um, if there's no football season, because you've got to put it in the caveat, you've got to put it in the, in the uh, column of there was also no NCAA basketball tournament. So there's none of that money. That money's already been taken away. So you've got universities like Nebraska, which has a ton of money cutting 10% coaches paying back salaries to try to keep things in a good solvent, strong position. They're not doing that because they think there's going to be no more disruptions to sports. They are doing that as a hedge. There may be more disruptions to sport. That's why Fred Hoiberg and Scott Frost are giving back part of their money because they want to shore up the underfootings of the athletic department. Nebraska's athletic department is not going to fold if college football doesn't play this season. But I really do believe, Nick, you'll see Sunbelt teams, MAC teams. Schools will say, we can't do it anymore. 
not just we're folding a sport here and there, we're folding athletics. We're folding, we cannot afford to have athletics programs. They're gone or they're sharply curtailed to the point where it's club sports or something. And I I know that sounds silly and it sounds absolutely unfathomable, but I really do think that's a possibility. the, The money involved in football is so significant that I don't know that schools smaller than the power five and maybe even some of those, but the most of the power, five, I don't know that schools smaller than those can withstand a season without football in some way, shape or form. I mean, the importance of playing even the majority of the season cannot be understated. They're going to do everything they can to play the whole thing. But I'm telling you, even if they can get 10 games, yeah. 11 games, they're going to do it. They're oh, going to yeah. do it if they can. And if they can't use, if they can't have fans in the stands, they're going to go fanless because so much money comes from television revenue, more so at the NFL level than the college level, but still a significant amount at the college level. Doesn't mean it's not going to be rough because they're still going to have significant problems, but at least that helps mitigate a little bit of the loss. But man, it's, it's a bad situation right now. It's a hundred times worse it's if scary. there's no football. It's, it is scary. Hey, guys, quick break to talk to you guys about Pella windows and doors. And uh, I want to make sure that you guys understand that Pella windows of Omaha and Lincoln, they are following CDC guidelines uh, during this coronavirus situation. They can safely serve any of your window and door needs in the showroom or in your home. All the employees at Pella and the customers are completing a COVID-19 questionnaire as provided by the CDC prior to entering the showroom, entering the office, and uh, any uh, potential customer's home. And all the employees are required to self-quarantine for a recommended 14 days if uh, that individual comes into contact with someone who's tested positive, if they traveled anywhere outside of the Omaha-Lincoln area. Bottom line, they are taking all the necessary precautions to make sure that they are safe and you are safe so you can safely move forward with your window and door needs. And uh, on top of all that, as a result of all this stuff with the coronavirus, uh, Pella is offering temporary special financing options. They are now available. So man, now is the time to take advantage of these special rates and uh, put that value back into your home, and you have that peace of mind knowing that all the necessary safety uh, protocol and precautions have been uh, put into place by Pella so you know the whole time you can feel safe. Give Pella a call, 402-493-1350, or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. You bring up the television revenue, and we'll, we'll geek out for a second to broadcasters here, you know, because... There's been, you know, Brian Curtis has wrote about this and, you know, you worry about what things will look like, not only from a cost cutting standpoint, but from a safety standpoint with the pandemic. I don't know how eager BTN or Fox is going to be to fly Kevin Kugler and Nick Baugh all around the country with everything going on. Who knows? For someone that is one of the most established and veteran experienced uh, play-by-play guys in the industry, remote broadcasting, meaning Nick Baugh and Kevin Kugler call Butler and Xavier from Charlotte or from a, you know, from, not from the arena. How do you see mm-hmm. that moving forward? And then most importantly, what do you think suffers the most with the broadcast with the announcers not being there? I'll, I'll take the second part first, because I've done a lot of these broadcasts before and you just don't get the full picture. So you only see 
when you're broadcasting from a studio, you only see what the cameras can show you. Obviously, yes. you're not on site. So if the camera that you're looking at is showing the wide shot like you see at home, all you see is that. Sometimes, and I should say more than that, a lot of times when you're in an arena or in a stadium, you see something that isn't on screen. So you say to the producer or the director, hey, over here, this just happened. Do we have a shot of that? Because I want to go back and talk about this. You know, this guy tripped this guy at the floor. Or, hey, I saw this over on the sideline. Do we have a shot of that? That happens at least once every other game in the the college football season. We'll see something off camera, and we'll say, hey, let's get a shot of that. Do we have something on that? And they'll check the tape to see if it showed up on any of the other cameras, and then we'll have a chance to show it to people at home. It becomes more challenging because, obviously, I don't see those things if I'm not on site doesn't mean we're not going to do them because we're going to do them and it'll just be right it'll be it's a different it's a different kind of play-by-play it is just a different play-by-play now that said somebody asked me the other day are you looking forward to a season of remote broadcast and i said it doesn't matter i'll I'll do whatever it takes to be on the air doing games because if that's what i don't think this is a long-term all games are going to be called from a studio thing I don't know that there's the studio capacity. It doesn't really cut down on the travel that much because you still got your answers to a studio True. to call said games. True. Um, it cut, what, what it cuts down on is the cost of a truck. You don't have a uh, an actual remote truck on site. So we do, we do some games at BTN, mainly spring sports, but some basketball games are done from the studio. It's just a matter of how they – but they always have sent talent on site. So we'll go on site even if it's not a – even if it's a so-called quote remote broadcast right. where our producer and director are not on site, we're still there. So that makes a big difference. You and I have done games like that mm-hmm. for FS1 where we're there, but the producer is somewhere else. That's, that's a different sort of animal. We're talking about everybody would be in a studio. And I think that's going to be the case for some games this year. Now, uh, if fans are in the building, we'll be in the building. True. So if fans are in a college football stadium, we'll be in the college football stadium. I, I'm confident in that. I don't know about trucks. I don't know about crews. I don't know all that. But I do believe that the broadcasters will be in an arena or in a stadium if fans are allowed in. There's no reason not to have the broadcasters there. I mean, my, I, you and Donnie killed the broadcast. But, and obviously, I know this may shot. My favorite game of the season was Creighton beating Seton Hall to win the Big East Championship. It was an amazing game. But, like, I just think of all – like, the envi- everybody tells me about the environment of that game and just how much – you were able to feel certain things during that game that that come through on the broadcast that just probably wouldn't have wouldn't have gone through. You know, I mean, it just because that it, the arena was something else that day. That's the thing that makes me almost sadder than anything else in this whole process is if we can't be in the buildings that are full of fans. Right? I, I, there's there's very little I love more than calling a game in a stadium or a packed arena. There's just an energy. There is a, there is, you, you feed off of that crowd. It just gives you such a boost to your day, to your, to your broadcast. There are, there's an art form to when do I not talk and let the crowd handle the atmosphere and the, and the, and the pictures get to tell the story with the crowd. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, I, I, I mean, I, I'm that that Seton Hall Creighton game was so fun mm-hmm. because there was so much on the line. The crowd was so jacked up. There were so many moments where you just knew 
that the crowd was going to tell a story in that game. I, and, and there are a lot of games like that. I did a game the next night between Illinois and Iowa in Champaign it's a great game. where the crowd yeah. was absolutely nuts. And there, and there was animosity between the two teams and it was, you could just feel the anger of the crowd and that gets you going. I mean, I, to me, that's the, one of my favorite parts about this job is to try to convey to people who are either listening or watching exactly what's happening mm-hmm. in that building and, and to give them a feel. So when you're sitting in your living room at home, you feel like you're a part of that. To me, that's, that's the art of this profession that we have is can you feel when you're sitting on your couch or when you're driving in your car and you're listening to us broadcast the game on the road, do you feel like you're there? Yep. Do you feel like you're a part of that action? That's the goal. I mean, uh, we've talked about this before, and I, and I say this all the time to people when they ask me about broadcasting. If you don't go into every game thinking about what's important to the person watching at home, you're not doing your job. Right. The person at home is the key, and part of that is making them feel like they're part of that crowd, whether it's 18,000 or 80,000. They need to be a part of that from their living room. That's how that's how you feel like you've done a good job. If somebody says, man, I felt like I was there. I felt like I was there for that game. You're like, okay, good. Then mission accomplished. Totally agree. I mean, cause that's, you know, that's, you know, ultimately, you know, like an analyst job is to explain what's happening on the court or on the field, but also the broadcast team's job is to make sure, because there's so much you can, you can't sense or can't feel when you're sitting at home that you can, when you're courtside, even like not to go negative, but like, Kevin, you and I called the Nebraska Northwestern basketball game. And what was it? God, Nebraska missed 22 free throws. Was that what it ended up being? I believe that's correct. Yeah. But, and and I think we tried to relay it, but the vibe and energy in the arena in the second half, every time someone would get fouled and they'd go to the, they'd go to the free throw line was you could feel the nervous energy of that, you know, and then and then, then it's yep. our job to relay that. So people at home, they may know, oh, God, Nebraska's not shooting well from the free throw line, but we have to try and paint even the picture of what even the vibe and mood is like in the arena, even positive or negative. Yep, and that's, and that's what we'll miss if fans aren't in that building. And I think what you're going to find is broadcasters are going to talk more. And... Some people may like that. Some people may not, but you can't stop talking in a football game. If there's nothing going on in a basketball game, if it's, you know, if it's all you're hearing is Richard Pitino yelling across the court at somebody, yeah, that's interesting, but he may not want you to hear that. So there's going to be a fine line to walk in. And look, I'm very hopeful that by the time basketball rolls around, we're not going to have that concern. God willing. Um, but you never know. I mean, if if there is there is a significant concern among people that you know nothing gets back to quote normal until there's a vaccine, well, there's no guarantee there's a vaccine ever, right. let alone any time in the next five to six months. So who knows? I mean, I, I I don't know how this is going to be impacted moving forward. All I know is that in the short term, I'm very confident in football that not every stadium is going to have a full complement of fans. Some may. Mm-hmm. Some may get close. Some may have 50% or 60%. And I mean, look, if you're at Kyle Field and College Station, they're at 50% capacity right now. 
that's 51,000 people. That's going to make some noise. Mm-hmm. You're going to have some crowd, and especially if you let them move down lower, you're going to have a nice look. It's going to be crowded. But, again, if you're only at 50%, you're going to space them out. So it's probably not all going to just be – it would seem to be kind of pointless <laughs> to have right. smaller capacity and then just cram them all into the same small spot. So it, it'll be – it's going to be a very interesting next two and a half months yeah. before the football season begins. I don't know what's going to happen with NFL preseason. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see at least one game cut off of that. Although I think preseason this year is more important than it's ever been (laughs) (laughs) because nobody's had camps, nobody's had anything. So I really think preseason this year is actually the most important preseason that the NFL maybe has ever had. Um, But I don't know what's going to happen with that. And that'll be the first chance we get to see what football is like with a certain amount of fans or with no right. fans at all. Two things right here, Kevin. You can get back to day drinking uh, here in, here in yes. just a second. Finally. Uh, Major League Baseball. I mean, I, we got to talk about yeah. about Major League Baseball for a second. I mean, what are they doing? Like the, Every other sport, their main pressing issues to get to return are all pandemic-related. All how we handle the virus, how we do all this stuff. Not baseball. Like, it's such a bad look with everything that's going on in our country when they can't – their disagreement is all money-related. I just – now, again, you're you're a huge baseball fan. I'm not a huge baseball fan, but I certainly don't want to – I'd, I'd love – I mean, hell, I'd love to watch a baseball game right now. What I mean, uh, what the hell is going on with Major League Baseball right now? It's It's an absolute joke what has happened with Major League Baseball. They – they squandered April and May in an attempt to not get a deal done. I mean, the, the crazy thing is when they shut her down in late March, when everything else shut down and they signed this agreement, they should have had it be crystal clear in this agreement what was going to happen. And if they looked at the agreement that they signed in March in April and said, well, there's some ambiguity here, then April and May they should have spent hammering that situation out and saying, here's how everybody's getting paid. Here's how long the schedule's going to be in this scenario, in this scenario, in this scenario. Let's make sure we don't screw this up. We're America's game. And America's pastime on America's birthday is going to be nowhere to be found. It's, it's an absolute just sham. Yeah. Between and, and blame the owners. You can blame the players. You can blame whoever you want. Both sides have a certain amount of culpability in this situation. I tend to lean towards a little more of the owner's side as far as I think they had a little more responsibility to make sure they got it done. And they offered three things that were essentially the same to the players. But I also, you know, they, they came back players with when and where, and then the owner said, all right, here's 70 games, blah, blah, blah. And, or the, the owner said 60 games and here's the deal. And they went, no, 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 we want 70 games. So then it became a, well, you said when and where, and now you want more games because you want more money. Uh, I, there's, there is a time and place for everything. The time and place for them to negotiate money is not in the middle of a pandemic when they already have a deal anyway. The deal is coming up after next year. So then you have a whole other time of labor strife. There'll likely be a lockout and or a strike, and that should put the final nail in the coffin of baseball. I mean, they're not going if, – if they play at all – it's going to be some 50-game, 60-game partial season that by the time they get back, and as they've dillied and dallied around, they're not going to get back to late July. Now, they may start around the same time the NBA does, assuming the NBA gets started on its same cal- calendar. Mm-hmm. It'll be real interesting to see which one people care more about. And then if football does get started with preseason games, 
in the middle of August, nobody cares about either of them anymore because football's back. Yeah. So it, it's it, it they, they should have been already in camps. They should have been all ready to play. They should have been got. They should be on the field late June, early July. I mean, for crying out loud, in the midst of the pandemic height in two of America's largest cities, Chicago and New York, you had the mayor of Chicago and the governor of New York both saying, "Let's get baseball going. Let's get baseball." You're there in the middle of the worst hit spot, New York City. No place has been hit harder yeah. in this entire country than New York City and the state of New York. And the governor's like, in May, well, we need baseball. Where's baseball? You know what? They can play with no fans. Let's go. Here we go. Because he knew. He knew the importance of that. He knew the importance of baseball playing in the midst of this thing was a big deal for the country. Plus, it would have kept people inside as they flattened the curve. Stay yeah. home, stay safe. Yeah. They would have stayed home to watch the Mets and Yankees play. And baseball could not rise to the challenge. Big, big disappointment. And I think for a sport that struggles to connect with a younger audience, it's a real problem for them moving forward. Totally. Last thing, and this, you know, maybe queue up what we talked about earlier, why this will feel silly because we don't know if there's going to be a season, but that's kind of like the, right. at, the, at the core of what I'm asking you about here. I've always felt like I think the threat of losing something or something being taken away from you makes you appreciate it more if you have it, regardless of its condition. I think the pandemic and all this stuff will increase Nebraska football's fans' patience with this quote-unquote rebuild, both in the short term and the long term. Am I crazy? Is it always easy to talk about everybody chock full of patience in the offseason and once things gets going, then every everybody snaps back into normal? I think there's a part of like – I think there's some people now that are almost mad that they were ever taking things for granted, like being able to tailgate in the fall in Lincoln and then watch Nebraska play, regardless if they won or lost. How do you kind of see how all this impacts Frost, his job, patience, all that? I, I do think that people are going to have to have more patience because to me, this is, this is one of the most fascinating football seasons of my life. Mm -hmm. I, and and uh, I'm, that's one of the main reasons I'm, well, other than completely financial, <laughs> that I'm hoping that this thing happens is because I, I think it is so interesting. Nobody knows what anybody's going to have. So if you're a fan walking into this going, oh, this is year three, this is the time they've got to shine. Well, you can't have that expectation right now. You, you just can't. You don't know what this team is. Maybe they're better. Maybe they're not. Two practices isn't a lot. No. So you need to fit, you need to set your expectations at a whole new level for going. If you're a Nebraska fan going into this season, set your expectations for. I, I want to see how well coached they can be in this moment, how prepared they are in this moment, how unified they are in this moment. I want to make sure that they are healthy. I want to make sure that they have a good game plan, and I want to see how these guys approach the strangest and most difficult situation that any of them are ever going to have as coaches. And as players, I, I just, you're never going to go through any more adversity as a team than a nationwide, well, a global pandemic mm -hmm. that has shut your sports world down for months at a time. And every time you go out, there's a risk of getting sick. So I, I mean, I, I just, 
I'm fascinated by this. And yeah. if you're a fan, I think your expectations have to fall into line with the global landscape. You can't go into this the same way you were thinking about it in February. Right. When you sat back in February and went, well, this is, this is what this team is going to be. You, you have to change your expectations, not only for Nebraska, but for the conference and for the world of college football. No, the no. whole thing is topsy-turvy. I, you would say normally a team with a returning quarterback and some certain experience would have some some great strides to make I, and would have a chance to make yeah. some you know, hay in the season. Yes. I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. No I have clue. No idea what this team is going to be. But I'm fascinated to see, and I'm man, I really hope it happens. Oh, I do too. Well, I mean, I'm glad we got to do this. Normally – you would you would be calling the College World Series right now, in if if things were normal yeah. here. Yeah, I, mean, I would have been on this day. I would have been getting ready for a championship series, and yeah. we'd have been, you know, enjoying some the last few moments of college baseball. And then I've been getting ready to go on a you know a nice little vacation yeah. for a month and a half before football started. And as it turns out, I'm just winding my way through month three of this non-stop <laughs> crazy, vacation, non-stop extended vacation. Have you at least found yeah. any like? Have you been net doing a lot of Netflix stuff? Have you like found a show at least? Like what? What's I got what to tell you, we I've kind of stopped watching TV yeah. because over the last month or so, it's depressed me to think about how things used <laughs> to be. Right. So I'm like, I don't want to watch anything. Because, you know, now I watch it through pandemic lens. I'm like, he shouldn't shake his hand. Why are they hugging? Why are they touching each other? You stay away from each other. So, no. Oh, come on. That's not sanitary. I mean, I, and it, it ruins the whole experience. Right. I mean, we've been right. watching we've been watching Bosch, which yeah. is really good on Amazon Prime. And every time I watch now, I'm just like, all right, well, they're all touching each other. This is just, this is disgusting. I can't. I, no, we're done. We're done with this. Oh, goodness gracious. I love it. He's Kevin Kugler. Uh, Kevin, go go sit on your deck, start your day drinking, and uh, fingers crossed for, for sports in the near future, and uh, we'll catch up soon, brother. Thank you, Nick. All right, my thanks to Pella Windows and Doors. If you're thinking about a new window or a new front door, now is the perfect time. Give Pella a call at 402-493-1350 or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. We will see you next time on the Nick Bob Podcast. Production.